Hey friends, thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. It's part two of our past, present, and future series, and today our topic is understanding the Holy Spirit. Friends, thanks so much for joining in today as we continue through our play and pause season. If you missed part one of this season, the last episode, feel free to check that out. In that episode, we discussed the story of salvation and the great work that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. We can all enter into his grace by repenting of our sins, believing in him, and committing our lives to Christ. And that's the great story of salvation. And as we continue focusing on the present, today we're going to discuss who I believe to be one of the most misunderstood characters in the Bible, and that is the Holy Spirit. But before we get started, in today's episode. Just a quick reminder, we are now active on Instagram. So if you have an Instagram page, please feel free to follow us at Cast the Word. And I also wanted to call out our blog page. If you've missed that, it's on our website at casttheword.com. And if you've missed any of the past episodes, you can check out our notes there. And coming soon, we'll be starting additional blogs there as well. So I just wanted to call that out. If you want to be notified of any future blog entry on our website, then you can subscribe to us by going to the website, scrolling down to the bottom, and entering in your email address. Okay, enough of that. Let's go ahead and dive into today's topic. In my personal opinion, I believe that the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted characters in the Bible. So my goal here today is to let the Bible interpret itself by perusing through the scripture and looking at some key elements to help us better understand. So we got a few points to discuss today. And the first point is the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead and he is a person. The Trinity of God consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God just as Jesus is God and the Father is God. Yet they are one God in three persons, distinct yet one. Just just a point of clarity. It is the Holy Spirit is God just as Jesus is God and just as the Father is God. They're one God in three distinct persons, distinct yet one God. So the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a dove, not an object or fire. He is a person. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Throughout the scriptures, we read the Holy Spirit has attributes that only a person can have. He performs tasks only a person can perform and has emotions only a person can have. A thing cannot teach us and bring to our remembrance things that Christ has said, yet we read in John 14 and John 15 that the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, teaches us. We also read this in 1 Corinthians 2.13. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Also, a thing or an object cannot be grieved. Yet we read that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit also guides us. Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In Psalm 51, David prayed for the Lord to not take the Holy Spirit from him after David committed a great sin. The Holy Spirit also comforts us. In the King James Version, Jesus says in John 16 verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Other translations refer to the Holy Spirit as the Advocate, the Helper, the Encourager, 
the divine encourager, the counselor, and the comforter. All of these names are given to a person, not a thing or an item, an equal member of the Godhead, the Trinity. Acts 9.31 states that congregations grew larger within the believers being empowered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And Matthew 5 verse 4 said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there are many other scriptures that speak to the comfort given by God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit also speaks to us. Acts 8.29 says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go and walk alongside the chariot. This is another example of how the Holy Spirit can guide us. The Holy Spirit can also be insulted. Hebrews 10.29 How much more severely do you suppose a person deserves to be judged who has contempt for God's Son and who scorns the blood of the new covenant that made him holy and who mocks the Spirit who gives him grace. We read in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit also dispenses spiritual gifts to the body of Christ. And in Romans 8, we also read that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and has a mind. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus even teaches about the sin that cannot be forgiven, which is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit in Matthew 12, 31. Jesus said, This is why I warn you, for God will forgive people for every sin and blasphemy they have committed except one. There is no forgiveness for the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Why would he say that if this was not a person that we're referring to? He wouldn't say that about an object. This is a person. So these are just a few examples, and there are many other examples to pull from in Scripture that shows us that the Holy Spirit is referred to as a he, as a person, not an object, not a dove, not wind, and not fire. While these attributes attributes and, and uh, descriptions have been used to describe the Holy Spirit, please understand that He is not these things. He is not a dove. He is not wind. The Holy Spirit is a person that can teach us, speak to us, guide us, and He can be grieved and insulted just like you and I can. Point number two, the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. In many ways, the Scriptures can be read as historical documents, and many people read it like that, but let me tell you that the Bible is alive and is a living document. Hebrews 4.12 confirms this by saying, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the Word of God. And we know according to John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35 that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's the Bible. The Bible is more than a coffee table decoration. The Bible is more than a book that can collect dust if we never open it. The Bible is alive, and it's well, and it's the sword of the Spirit, and it'll never pass away. And it's the words that God has spoken to us for today. And the author of this book, is God the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. 2 Peter 2.21 says, No true prophecy comes from human initiative, but is inspired by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon those who spoke the message that came from God. And God used men as he came upon them to write down the words in scripture. We know that Acts 1.16 confirms this further when it says, The scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David. And David also said in 2 Samuel 23 verse 2, the spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. And again, there are many more scriptures we could look at to highlight this point, but suffice it to say that it is clear when a prophecy goes forth that it is the Holy Spirit who speaks through the man. And in regards to the authorship of the Bible, the same is true. The scriptures have been documented 
through and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he moved upon the writers. Point number three, the Holy Spirit birthed the church. We read about this in the book of Acts. This was after Jesus was resurrected and was about to ascend back to heaven and to sit at the right hand of the Father. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8 that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they will be the witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 2, we read about the day of Pentecost when all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking it in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. After this miraculous event, Peter then stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, exclaiming that this is what was predicted a long time ago by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God would pour out his spirit upon all people and they would prophesy. Peter continued preaching to this crowd and in verse 37 we read that Peter's words pierced their hearts and the people asked the apostles what they should do. And in verse 38 in Acts 2 we read that Peter says each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the same process that takes place today. And we read in verse 41 that those who believe what Peter had to say were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. What a revival. Notice the order of events here. That all of this happened because the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And on this day, the church was birthed after the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, we're living in that church age that was started back on that day, the day of Pentecost. Point number four, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. John 16 verse 8 says, referring to the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That was what Jesus said. John 6 44 says that no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And one more, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now as a quick pause here, understand anyone can obviously say with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, but the context of this verse is saying that no one can truly say it and mean it from the depths of their heart without the Holy Spirit intervening. The fact of the matter is that the Holy Spirit makes salvation real to us. The Holy Spirit reveals to us through the Scripture and John 16, how sinful we really are. And the more the Holy Spirit reveals this to us, the level of sin that we've really committed in our lives, that's when we realize how beneath grace and mercy we as humans really are because we know that all have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. But it is the work of the Holy Spirit that reveals to us the level of our sin and ultimately leads us to the cross of Jesus. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that ultimately leads us to the sinner's prayer, where during this prayer we acknowledge the depravity of sin in our lives. We recognize the sin we've committed. We confess that sin and we believe in what Christ accomplished on the cross. In the last episode, we specifically focus on the story of salvation, but one thing we did not highlight 
highlight in that episode was that it is the work of the Holy Spirit that pricks your heart and shows us the mirror in our lives and makes us understand where we are from a sin perspective and gives us a desire to want to repent, to ask for forgiveness. God draws us into his salvation because it is not his will that any should perish. But we have free will, and we know about this through our conversations in uh, previous episodes, uh, specifically the last season, and we know obviously the story of Adam and Eve, but we all have free will to obey and commit our sins, repent, and turn the other way. And as mentioned earlier, it is the Holy Spirit that guides us to do that. We've talked many times in this podcast about Christian people missing the mark and messing up, and it, it happens. There's no doubt about that. None of us are perfect. But in Proverbs 24, it says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. The difference is that when we mess up as Christians, we stand back up, and that's by the help of the Holy Spirit, not by any strength we have or any good we have within us. It's the help, the long-suffering, and the mercy of the Father through the Spirit. The Spirit pricks us, helps us acknowledge when we miss the mark, and it grieves our hearts as well to grieve the heart of the Spirit when we do sin. And even though God is long-suffering, we have decisions we need to make in our lives and choose to turn away from sin and look towards the cross. Because we do read in Scripture that God has given people over to their sin before, and God will not be mocked. So we should take His grace and mercy very seriously in our lives and live our lives according to the Word of God, and not live our lives like we have a blank check of grace offered to us where we can cash it in at any time we want whenever it feels good for us. That's not how a follower of Christ should live. We have to choose to pick up our cross daily. We have to choose the straight and narrow by the help of the Spirit. And I believe as long as we let Him, that it is the work of the Holy Spirit that helps us stay on that straight and narrow path. Point number five, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ in our lives. In John 16, 14 through 16, Jesus says, He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while, you will see me in a new way. One of the ways the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us is through the Word of God. The Bible is by far the best resource we have today in understanding the heart and mind of Christ. And as we just mentioned, the Bible came from the writing of men as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the words of God. Take this into consideration. The people that followed Jesus witnessed miraculous things, most notably his disciples. They saw blind people getting healed. They saw demons getting exercised by Jesus. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. His disciples saw Jesus walking on water. After being dead for four days, the people saw the Lord raise Lazarus from the dead. They witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 people with only two fish and five loaves of bread. They saw the supernatural and witnessed things that we can't even imagine. Yet when Jesus was arrested and died on the cross, where did everyone go? His disciples fled. The people that were closest to him fled and were not even present when Jesus died on the cross except for John. And when he rose from the dead, Luke 24 tells a very interesting story here that Jesus showed up walking alongside two of his disciples along a road. And in verse 16, the two disciples were walking and Jesus appears alongside them, but God prevented the men from recognizing who they were talking to. Jesus said to them in verse 17, what are you talking about and why are you so sad and gloomy? They stopped and one of them said back to Jesus, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus replied asking, what things? Then they said the things about Jesus. Now remember, God 
prevented the disciples from acknowledging and recognizing the Lord. So they didn't know at this moment who they were talking to. And listen to the word they use. Describing Jesus, they say he was a mighty prophet who performed miracles and wonders. They recanted from acknowledging that Jesus was the Messiah. And here they refer to him as a prophet, a step down. And Jesus in verse 25 corrected them and revealed himself to the disciples, finally showing who he was. Now let's take something away from these verses. It's not about the miracles though they were great. It's not about the power and might Jesus put on display by telling the storm to stop while they were in the boat, by walking on water, by turning the water into wine. It's not about the power he displayed by healing the sick and delivering the possessed, though that was great. But Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The people in that time still had doubts when Christ was crucified. And they saw the miraculous. They saw it firsthand. It's not the miracles that that reveals Jesus Christ to us, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes, our spiritual eyes. Everything changed at the day of Pentecost, and it was then when the Spirit birthed the church of God. Miracles and acts of power are not the source of the revelation of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals Christ to us through the miracles and through the Word of God in our revelation of the Word as we study the Bible. When Jesus walked on this earth, the people saw great and mighty things, but he was limited by his physical body. He could not be in two places at one time. But now, since Jesus has resurrected and ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding on our behalf, and because he did that, he sent down the Comforter, just like he promised. He sent down the Holy Spirit and birthed his church. But now the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once, constantly revealing to you and I that Jesus is the Messiah. While it would have been amazing to live when the Son of Man walked this earth, let's recognize how amazing it is now that we can live in the church age where we have the Holy Spirit who reveals Christ to us and is not limited by a physical body. Listen to Romans 8, 15 through 16. I'm reading this in the Passion Translation. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Romans 8.15 in another translation says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading you to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is so important in our lives today, and these scriptures only serve as a reminder of that fact. We read a few verses tonight from Romans 8, and this chapter is so important in our Christian walk and helping us understand that we as believers of Christ now live life not in the flesh but after the Spirit and in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps make that a reality in our lives. Friends, I hope you have found some encouragement in today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and if you have missed any of the previous episodes and want to check that out, please feel free to do that so you can catch up to where we are today. And if you want to check out our blog page, that can be found on our website at casttheword.com. Thanks to each of you for your continued support. I can't say that enough. I really, truly appreciate you guys. Stay strong in the faith and I'll talk to you next time.